Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thank you so much for listening or watching our program here today. Our YouTube channel is uh, Catholic Chicago, and the call letters of the station is WNDZ 750 AM. Um, and back for our last segment here on this exciting show we've had here this morning is Emily Cortina. She is, there she is. Uh, she is with the Colby House, and I have your title here. It's Coordinator of Outreach and Formation. I got it right. Is that right? Close, That's right. Close enough. Close enough. Um, Emily, before we get into restorative justice, that kind of thing, tell us a little bit about Colby House in a minute or two. You have just describe what it is, so people know what we're talking about. Yeah, Colby House is the jail ministry of the Archdiocese of Chicago. We serve um, individuals affected by incarceration in Cook and Lake counties. So the center of our ministry is really Cook County Jail, where there's about five thousand five hundred people detained on any given day. Um, and we serve families as well and folks who are re-entering the community after incarceration. It's one of these programs that the church runs that I'm not sure if how many lay Catholics know about it. Um, probably a good number do, but if for those who don't know, they should know that the church is involved in such a integral part of people's lives who uh, have been incarcerated for whatever reason and, and trying to get on the right path, and, and there's Colby House to try to help them and nudge them along the way. And, and it's not an easy job. Uh, there's a lot of issues that go into into helping somebody who's in such a situation. Um, tell us a little bit about, Emily, tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of what's going on with the whole, uh, you've been involved for a while on the topic of restorative justice. Tell us, what is the definition of restorative justice and how does it work into the Colby House's mission? Sure. Restorative justice kind of reorients the way we think about justice in the United States right now the dominant idea about justice is, is punitive justice, where we, we find the person who's done harm and we hold them accountable by punishing them. Um, and in restorative justice, we look at the questions in a different way. We ask what harm has been caused and who's been harmed. So it really centers victims of wrongdoing. And then the, the resulting action is how do we heal the harm? So instead of looking primarily at punishment, we look towards healing and what actions are needed to to result in healing for all parties involved. And I, I know you're involved a little bit with um, the Restorative Justice Project, which actually convenes people together, people who have perpetrated a crime and for individuals who have been harmed and, and also then people in the community trying to, you know, bridge that. Uh, those gaps and and what what has happened there. Um, any success stories that you can relate to us in that in those efforts? You know, uh, Colby House is not an official site of restorative justice courts. There is a there are a couple of restorative justice courts in Cook County. There's one um, in our neighboring neighborhood, North Lawndale, um, that the Catholic Church has also been very involved in. St. Agatha, the local parish there, it's very involved in the restorative justice court. They just graduated their first class. Um, it's been a few years, but because of the pandemic, that was delayed. Mm -hmm. So they just graduated their first class, and they're really looking to expand that program um, because it it just brings such a different result um, from someone ending up incarcerated for their infraction. They can go through this process of um, facing the harm that they've done, really being able to accept responsibility for it, yep. having an opportunity to apologize to the people that they've harmed, and then together with people who are harmed in the community, kind of identifying some steps for healing. And sometimes that means maybe they're going to finish their education 
um, do some job training, do make amends for what they've done by um, community service that's targeted at the, you know, the, the wrong that they committed. Um, so I know it's been that, that um, community court has been successful and Cook County is looking to expand that. Yeah. And it's been talked about in other parts of the country, I know, in terms of how you know, could other communities replicate that model and take elements of it and, and, and use it. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, a paper that has not been released yet. Um, it's called a Restorative Justice uh, I'm sorry, a Catholic vision for restorative justice in Illinois. And I know you had a hand in it, as did many other the uh, individuals who were involved with ministering to people who are incarcerated. And I should probably back up a little bit just to explain that um, Illinois has six dioceses, six Catholic dioceses, and it has various, the Catholic conference serves the whole state. And the bishops have appointed different individuals from their respective dioceses to come together. And they discuss the issues that, um, uh, th- in this particular example, they discuss the issues of uh, restorative justice or criminal justice reform and what's going on with administ- ministering to, to prisoners or people who are incarcerated in, in their respective dioceses. And it's interesting, Emily, I'm sure from your perspective being in Chicago to listen to the stories of the people downstate and, and the issues that they're grappling with and how they are similar yet different than what we deal with up here in, in Chicago. So it's, I think one of the things that we learn um, at the conference or we see is just how big and varied a, a state Illinois is. Um, it's, just, it's just the nature of what we do and how we do it and that kind of thing. Um, tell us a little bit about, I don't know to agree you're, you're comfortable with, but just tell us a little bit about the paper itself and, and, and your involvement in it and, and what it means to, to Colby mm-hmm. House. Yeah, well, like you said, on this committee, um, the representatives from the different dioceses, we gather regularly and we share about our ministries and what we're doing and um, talk about ways we can collaborate. And one of the main reasons we come together is to identify legislative priorities, um, bills that are coming up in and whether we want to support them, oppose them, um, you know, invest resources in really trying to promote something that we think would would make a difference for the people that we serve. Um, And we found that um, we really, we had a need for uh, building some common foundations that we could lean on when we're discerning which which policies to support or oppose. And so that's kind of where this, this statement started is saying, let's try to put down on paper what our common beliefs are, what the church is calling us to, and what kind of policies that might lead us to support in the Illinois legislature. And it's interesting, too, in that um, it, it, when, whenever you start peeling away the, the, the layers on, on a topic like this, is it's, it's, it's like, where do you start, you know, because the, the cause, uh, what leads an individual to engage in bad behavior that resulted in them being incarcerated or penalized and they may be serving time is there's many, there's a number of different reasons for that. And there's a number of different things that the state and anybody can get involved with to help repair. There's also the issues of what happens while they're in jail. Uh, there's definitely some things that need to be improved there. So there's legislation on that topic area as well. And then of course there's, um, I think what the paper kind of focuses more on is the reentry, is when people have served their time, they're ready to get out, and what can we do as a society to help move them, uh, or as a state and society, how can we move them 
towards you know, a op- making sure they don't recidivate, if that's the right word. They don't commit a crime again, but also trying to help them you know, become the best version of themselves and, and be a productive members of society. Um, reentry is, is, seems to be so important. Uh, tell, us, tell us about some of the stories. I mean, you see this at Colby House all the time. When an individual is released from jail or prison, what do they go through? I mean, what, that's one of the things I think that's really needed right now is especially when an individual is released from a downstate prison, they live in Chicago. What happens then? Yeah, I mean, what I love about this statement is that it does include all of those aspects that you mentioned, recognizing Mm -hmm. the breadth and the scope of the issues that are related to incarceration. And it really is a moment right now when a lot of organizations, government and private organizations are recognizing the need to rally around folks when when they're released from incarceration. We're seeing that even though their their punishment is expired, they're paying for the rest of their lives. Um, So when an individual is released from prison, they're given a bus card, um, $10 maybe, uh, and just, you know, an idea where they want to end up. We've met folks downtown who are coming back to Chicago from prison after 20 or 30 years in prison. And they don't, you know, they've never used a smartphone. (laughs) They don't know how to navigate CTA systems right now in Chicago. let alone be able to sort of get all their things in order, their paperwork, right? Get an ID, um, set up, it, while they're looking for a job, set up the government benefits that they're entitled to, to help them get on their feet. Um, start finding a place to live mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and an employer, a place to work. So, um, so folks who are released from prison face all these barriers um, and it's really a moment where a lot of organizations are coming together and saying, how can we work together to serve people in the best way to help them um, find stability and, as you said, really become the person that they want to be, that they were made to be. And so this is part of Colby House's ministry. Um, you know, we provide the basic material things that they might need when they get out, toiletries, clean clothes, because they're released with just the clothes on their back. Um, we have, we get gift cards to Subway. Sometimes they come to our door straight out of prison and they say, here, go have a meal, get some food, um, breathe a little bit, and then let's come back and sit down and talk. Um, so we provide them with these immediate material needs, and then we build a relationship with them and walk with them as they find the resources they need, as they identify you know, do they want to rebuild a relationship with family that they've been separated mm-hmm. from? How do you do that? How do you navigate having a relationship with maybe a child that that you that was a baby when you were arrested and now is a teenager? Um, so helping them sort of navigate these challenges and know that they're not alone. A lot of folks start off, they might start off with a lot of hope and excitement about their future, but when they meet these barriers and they see how difficult it is, they start to lose hope. And that's when folks start turning to, you know, maybe the the wrong crowd that they were involved in with before, um, people who are going down unhealthy paths. Um, So when they have someone they can lean on and say, hey, I'm I'm starting to feel really down about this. And and someone can be there to say, you know what, let's let's pick it up. Let's keep going. There's still hope. Let's look at another option. You're not alone. 
Yeah. And that's what Colby House tries to provide. I, I remember George Brooks, who was one of your predecessors, <clears throat> who was out there for years, he used to often say is, when does the X become an ex-felon? You know, when do you drop the X? And and it's true. If, if I, I want people to think about this. When you apply for a job, when you apply for uh, many different things, um, uh, housing, anything like that, you're often asked, have you ever committed a crime, have you ever felony? And then, you know, then you can easily go into, well, the, the do not call back list. Um, as you indicated, housing is a huge issue. Um, you know, we, we have this, um, I guess, justifiable uh, thinking in society that, um, you know, people who have committed crimes shouldn't live within certain distances of fill-in-the-blank, daycare centers, what have you. But when you're in an area like Chicago, <laughs> there's, it's pretty compacted geographically, you know, 500 feet. Uh, it's easy to find a daycare center or whatever. So, you know, p- individuals released from jail, they can't live in certain areas. And then where do they go? And like you said, and and what really what we're all trying to do is just make sure that that individual with the good intentions who's trying to get on the right path can do so as opposed to finding those, going back into that same behavior pattern or around the same people that may have been led them to where they just released from. Um, Emily, we have about two minutes to go. So um, are you an optimist, a pessimist, or are you just uh, looking at <laughs> looking at um, your work? It can probably be overwhelming and, and daunting at times, but I'm sure there's some really good stories, positive stories that kind of keep you going. Um, in, in terms of how we handle people who have been released from prison, do you think it's getting better, or do you think the, the challenges are just uh, escalating more than the opportunities? <laughs> oh, that's a hard question to end on. Um, of course, I'm hopeful. I, you know, that's the 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 true benefit of being in a faith based organization is that there's always hope. We're always looking towards the resurrection, um, and we do see. You know, I m- the main part of my job is working with parishes across the archdiocese, and we do see people who really want, want to connect on a deeper level. We see parishes saying. You know, we'll do the donation drive for items, but we also want to go deeper. We want to know people. We want to build relationship. And I think exactly when, you, you know, when you're talking about isolating people, we, we want to keep ourselves safe. And so we isolate people who mm-hmm. we think are bad, but that has the exact opposite effect of what we're going for, which is to help us all heal. And that takes community. And so I am hopeful because I see people hungering for that community and and reaching for it and then taking action steps to build it yeah and so so i am hopeful i i am too i think you're right i you know when you encounter many people they're open to it not everybody it's not for everybody but but i think there are a lot of people out there who are open to it and if and like there's groups like colby house out there who can help show them the way and how to help i that that that's encouraging and i think that's on the path we're on just uh before we close out here uh how do people get in contact with colby house and and your ministry Uh, Well, they can find us through the Archdiocese website. We are part of the Archdiocese, so we have a page there. You can also go directly to colbyhouseministry.org and find us there. Um, Yeah, all of our contact information is there, so I think that's the best place to start. It's pretty easy to find. The Colby House, um, the Arch page, as Emily indicated, and just Google Colby House, and it'll come right up. Emily, thanks so much. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for taking some time this morning. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Bye. This is Bob Gilligan. Uh, Thanks for listening and watching our show here this morning. Uh, Thanks to our guests, Emily Cortina 
Matt Server and Emily Schumacher Novak. Very interesting, exciting guests. We'll be back on the third Monday in the month of December. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.